a feast or a famine since its inception, depending on the colour of your jersey, Cavalry Red has ruled the roost. Guitar turning, shooting, what a goal! Oh my word! Tapple strokes it in confidently. Fine penalty from the youngster. Up pretty well for Daniel Silva. Some work to do. Second touch through the legs of Irving, and it's a second for Halifax. Cooper's in the box, comes across, Fiji, and he scores for Beller. Santo stopped by Osner. Great reaction from the Wanderers keeper. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Newsroom. Christian Jack alongside Charlie O'Connor-Clark. That was the weekend that was in the Canadian Premier League. And on this week's show, we'll break down all three CPL games as club records were broken again across the <laughs> land. And talk, of course, Canada soccer. The women's team were frustrated versus Korea Republic at BMO Field in Toronto. We'll get into that later in the show. And the under-20s were knocked out by Guatemala in a heartbreak of a penalty shootout. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit as well. Uh, we know that we like to break down heartbreak, cannot penalty shootouts on this show, and we'll just carry on doing oh, that. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> Charlie, how are you, my man? We were together in uh, in Vancouver in midweek. Uh, good to see you again. Things are good? Yeah, yeah, good to see you. It's, uh, it's good to be back on show after another just amazing weekend. Yeah, lots of storylines we're going to get into it. Uh, lots of highs and some significant lows, particularly out west. We'll get to that in a second. Results this past weekend, Pacific nil, Halifax Wanderers 3, more Sam Aiden Daniels and Sam Salter with the goals. York United 1, Valor FC 3, Alessandro Riggi equalized by Azazi Di Rosario and then goals from Moses Dyer and Sean Rea won it uh, for the Winnipeg side. And then in Calgary, Cavalry 3, FC Edmonton 1, Arvin Pebble with two, and Niall Higgins' own goal, and Gabby Vitar on the return for FC Edmonton. Uh, I think 15 games in all competitions now that Cavalry are unbeaten against FC Edmonton. Maybe that number wrong by one, but who's counting? Yes, that's me. Uh, <laughs> well, before we get to Benedict and we talk about the loss out west, um, I guess it took three goals for all three teams to win this weekend, and some fantastic goals as well. Uh, great to see yeah. some attacking football out there, Charlie. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, every game had plenty of, of chances either way and, and just a lot of goals it was a good weekend for talent a good weekend for uh most clubs pride raiser campaigns which is yes. always good always good um yeah it's, it's these were i i think i think there were a couple weeks there in june where you know it, it was getting a little bit sl more sluggish in some of these games we had some nil nils some one nils but this weekend kind of exploded again and you know clubs are starting to to get back to attacking form at least some clubs are some are very much not and we're going to yes. have to talk about that. You're right. I think coming into this weekend now, after the, these games, the goals per game average has gone above two and a half the goals per game, which is always a pretty good standard for, yeah. for attacking football. Um, so, so that's really good. Um, I know Finn's in the chat and he wants us to make him feel better because he's a Pacific fan. I don't think we're going to be feeling good over the next probably 10 or 15 minutes. So if you want us yeah. to chat about your team, uh, we're going to do that. If you don't want to hear it, you might want to go put the kettle on and come back in about 15 minutes. By the way, later in the show, uh, we will be joined by Phil DeSantos live, uh, the valet coach just coming off the training pitch this morning in Toronto, ahead of a game on Wednesday in 
Hamilton, where they'll play Forge, coming off a victory on Sunday against York. So we'll get to Phil and lots of things looking forward to him uh, as well. Uh, but we start our guest with the All-Star himself, bring on Benedict Rhodes, uh, who was in Toronto today uh, this weekend as well, also breaking down the Canadian women's national team game. We'll get Benedict on the show later for that. Uh, but we have to start, Benedict, with your first assignment of the weekend that came on the island. I was there. We'll get to this game in a second. But let's roll the highlights as Pacific lose at home by three goals for the first time ever. And Halifax Wanderers win a game uh, by three goals for the first time ever. Club records broken galore. And quite frankly, it was an overwhelming victory by Halifax. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, Halifax coming off a 3-0 loss themselves, they, they needed a reaction. They needed... Uh, to come come back and, and bounce back in a big way, and, and that's exactly what they did. You know, it, it takes a lot to to beat the defending champions three 0 in, in any sport in any league, of course. But obviously, Pacific in a bit of a dry spell at the moment. It, it kind of presented a perfect opportunity for for one of these teams to bounce back, and, and it was Halifax in the end who, who did that. Yeah, they certainly did bounce back in that. I mean, this th- this shouldn't be lost on on us, Charlie. How, how well Halifax played. I want to just say that first because yeah. Pacific, obviously, are the story here. They're the headline makers. We're going to get all into that as well. But the way Halifax played right from the whistle was really important. They were in my hotel. They arrived very, very late. They had delay. They arrived at 2 o'clock in the morning, Friday morning, Mm -hmm. ahead of this game. And they did not play that way. They played like they had to go out there with a mission. And every credit that this was a performance they deserved to get a three-goal win, Charlie. Yeah, absolutely. This is a massive, massive moment for them in the season because they had been really they'd been they had some bad moments in a few weeks prior you know getting beaten so badly by forge twice in the last few weeks at home uh you know this is halifax have not historically been a team that have been able to go on the road and, and smash somebody i think they've been like i think they've played about 31 32 games away from home in a cpl in history they've scored two goals eight times yeah and this is the first time they scored three i believe uh at least in cpl play because they did it uh in vaughn i think but this is a shocking result, I think, in most senses. Last week on the show, we kind of talked about Pacific coming home and and maybe this is the moment that they kind of right the ship and find their footing and and maybe batter a team that's at <laughs> also a similarly down point, but uh, not at all. That's not at all the case. And I think that this is just such a crucial moment for Halifax that, you know, really, when we look back at this in a couple of weeks or months, this could end up being a turning point for them in their season. Yeah, they're staying in games and they're staying in the standings and they're not letting big results against them affect them. They bounce back well, right? They bounce back after losing at home to Forge 4-0 by playing great against Toronto FC in the Champ. They bounce yeah. back after, Benedict said, losing the 3-0 game against Forge to come back and win this one. Um, back on the island, here's a reaction of Halifax head coach Stephen Hunt. I think we, we started well. And when you start well like that... Uh... You know, we had uh, two early two early chances, which uh, they defended well, they blocked, they, they did, and, and then we scored. Um, and that kind of gave us the confidence to to keep doing what we were doing. And then uh, uh, Aiden Daniels took his goal really, really well. And once you go two to nothing up, it was important for us to 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 manage how we play and manage the ball because of the of the heat and of course our travel. So, yeah, and uh, in the second half, we kind of were a little sluggish. Of course, we knew they had to come forward, take some risk, and we got the penalty. And it was just a matter of managing out the game after that. Benedict, you were very complimentary about Daniels in your analysis as well, giving him obviously player of the match. Stephen Hart 
obviously singled him out there. Without Morelli, it is a team of efficient runners, a team who work really hard for the course, but sometimes you need that difference maker. And it was Daniels again in this one, Benedict. Yeah, it was. Uh, we saw some flashes of, of, of what he can do at the beginning of the season. And then he missed a couple of games, uh, unfortunately, with an injury. And then uh, now he's back. He seems to be, you know, slowly but surely, you know, getting back up to, up to that higher gear. And, uh, you know, so on that play with against uh, for, for his goal, you know, out muscling Amor did it. Just no no easy task. And he did that, kind of turned him inside out and and, and uh, beat Irving with his left foot. So, uh, you know, Halifax need the players, I guess, to start stepping up. You know, they're missing, of course, John Morelli. They're missing that, that sort of. Uh, superstar, I guess, to, to kind of, you know, make everything click. And, and you know, it looks like Aiden Daniels might start becoming that player and, and start being the one who can, you know, link the lines and, and start making goals. It's starting to become a real young superstar in our league. Uh, here is Aiden Daniels after this one. You know, all week we, we talked about a re- getting a reaction out of everyone um, and just putting energy every single day into training. Um, and, it, and it showed uh, this weekend. So, yeah, we just need to keep building on this. Um, and and yeah, take care of Ottawa on Thursday at home. We'll certainly get into a very busy midweek schedule as we get closer to the Canada Day schedule coming up later in the show. Um, we've got to get into Pacific. This is the number one story right now in the Canadian Premier League. The champions, um, they know we, they, they made changes in the offseason, including in the, the coach, including losing some big players as well. Um, but we talked about it. They lost three goals at home for the first time ever, a club record loss. They haven't scored in three games in a row. That's the first time they've, they've, they've done that. They're, they're winless in six. That ties a CPL club record as well. And last week, we talked about how little touches they had in the opposition's box. They averaged close to less than 15. They got 21 in this game, but they only had five in the first half. <clears throat> Excuse me. Mm-hmm. And most of those came in a little bit of a, a, a bit of a thing right at the end of the half as well. We're going to get into what we think is the issue for, in a second. But before we do that, let's go back to the Allen. Here's the reaction of their head coach. James Merriman. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand the the performance. There's, there's no um, excuse for the way we played. We're home. We're in front of our, our home crowd. You know, in our stadium, um, the fans have been excellent. The fans were excellent again today. They were with us the, from start to finish. Even though our performance, you know, um, I don't know. I don't know the the. The preparation in during the week, the way that we trained, the way that the group trained, um, was was very very good all week. Um, so I don't I don't understand, you know, the performance. I don't I don't know what to uh, what to say or or there's nothing clear. I mean, if the energy wasn't there and the preparation wasn't there, I would feel different. But there was no reason for for the way that we started the game, the way that we performed, everything. the group has been excellent. Their energy, the way that they've been putting in work and training and their preparation coming into the match, we felt good, we feel strong, we felt confident and then and then the performance. So I'm not sure. We need to we need to we need to look at it again. I don't know why. So James is perplexed. Let's break it down and think see if we can find answers. Benedict, let's start with you. You did the game. Um what is the issues with Pacific in your mind? What's going wrong? Yeah, I think uh it's a lack of urgency at times. I think, you know, they come out of the game, uh, out of the gates, sorry, rather uh, really flat. They just don't seem to, you know, start the game, the energy that they need to, if they want to win games. And uh, we saw that with Halifax almost scoring, you know, I think it was like one minute into the game, Sam Salter almost put on a plate for, for more Sam. So uh, they just look flat. They don't look maybe like they, they, I don't want to say they don't care because I know that's not true. But it's it's just uh, you know I think other teams maybe wanted more than they have so far the last the last few weeks. Interesting, Charlie. Yeah, it's 
it's very strange because you know you see James Merriman there just kind of despondent and looking for answers and at when when things start going like this for a club especially a club that's been so high especially to start the season then it is very difficult to prevent that from spiraling to find it back it's very strange obviously uh there's trouble in midfield I think for this team especially going up against Rampersad and Gagnon Lapare in this game um I we can't we can't continue to to use the excuse of Manny Aparicio not being there uh, because at the end of the day, especially in this league, you cannot live or die by one player. And we've seen pretty much every club have to deal with something like that. Obviously, it's a factor, but at the end of the day, I think this, this Halifax game, there were a lot of just kind of individual errors that are maybe uncharacteristic of this team. You know, Thomas Mayer-Jaguer with a bad clearance before the first goal and then uh, the actual shot itself, Callum Irving probably wants that one back as well. Um, this isn't a team that has made a lot of individual errors in their good moments, right? And especially those defenders have usually been some of the more stable and and you know reliable ones in the league. So I think this team just absolutely needs to have that kind of turnaround game where just suddenly things start to go right. Sometimes you just need a couple bounces to go your way and all of a sudden the confidence is back, the momentum is back, the form is back. But uh, on Thursday, they have to host Cavalry. Yeah. And that's always a tough one. Uh, you can't call a game against a team in such hot form a must-win game, but it's a must-show-up game for me, that Cavalry game. like they, Pacific cannot afford to go into that game and also, like get dominated or, or get beaten badly on home turf again. Right, yeah. Uh, I, I'm really concerned about this team. You know, I, I, I saw it in person, and I know what James is saying because I was at training on the, the day before, and the spirit's there. They're all in good form. They're think so, you know in, they're all in good spirits going into the game. They lost the game because of individual mistakes. So when you lose a game with individual mistakes, to Charlie's point, I don't. I think sometimes you say, okay, that that's not going to happen again. But the offensive woes continue. They mm-hmm. cannot generate enough attacks to win football matches. Right, that's the issue. And midfield is a concern. Right, the other major concern for me is depth. And they do not have anywhere near as much depth that you need to have in this league to win the CPL for me right now. And they, 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 there's two ways they're going to have to correct that. One, the depth players are just going to have to get better and become more reliable. Or two, they're going to have to make changes fast. Because right now, the players that they're relying on to come into the game are not performing. And they're not performing at the level that they need them to perform in. Right now, I know the injuries have, have caught up to them. Aparicio will make the massive difference because he will stretch teams and make those runs out in midfield. But aside from Aparicio and potentially Young, who I felt bad for giving away the penalty because he has got a lot of promise going forward. Out of other players who are not playing in the starting 11, who are we looking at in that team going, yeah, they're going to make a massive difference. Maybe Cam Habibula when he comes back and he's got more confidence. They need te- right. they, they need pace. They need players who can stretch opposition's lines and run in behind. And they don't have enough of those players right now. Um, so, and I'm concerned. I, I just, I'm just concerned from the from fullback and midfield that they don't have the depth that they need. A jab report suddenly looks like an enormous loss um, as a driver from midfield. Uh, so it's concerning. There's no doubt about it. It's concerning. Look, I know it's early and they, they look like a playoff team for the majority of the season, but if they don't get their act together pretty quickly, particularly the team that beat them, are looking to replace them in that position, right? Yeah, so just they, look they, at the standings. Look at the standings. <laughs> you, you know, this was a team that we were start we were talking about won three out of three, right? They won three out yeah. of three from the start, nine points, right? Now they've got ten points, right? Ten points from their last ten games, I think, or nine games. 
So and that's everybody, everybody chasing them has games in hand as well. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's 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 concerning, guys. Uh, no doubt about it. Uh, Benedict, do you think the team can bounce back? Cavalry midweek is it, it? It's kind of one of those where I know I know James told the team after the game, Merrin told them back to work right away the next day and focus and. Cavalry come in red hot. I suppose it's a good thing that they're playing a team that's that, that, that's geared up for it. That that will certainly add more to the motivation. Yeah, I think so. Like, like Charlie said, I think it's a game they, they have to show up for, right? Like they they can't take this one lightly. Um, they they can't come into this game thinking, you know, like this is this is two teams at the top of the table playing each other. It has to be this is the team we we have to beat in order to get back up to that that high level. And you know, Cavalry will be one of the teams up at, at the top of the table come the end of the season and. If Pacific want to get to the final again and, and repeat the champions, they're going to have to beat teams like Cavalry and, and have to, you know, get positive results against every team, but especially the, the best teams. And uh, that, that game provides a good opportunity to do that and, and sort of get back on track. It certainly does. Uh, good stuff, Bennett. You can read his analysis at campiel.ca. We'll chat with you in probably about half an hour or so. We'll get you back on to talk about the Canadian women's national team that I know you were at BMO Field for. So stick around. We'll get Bennett back in a second. Um, it was also a special day for the Polisi family on Saturday. Um, yeah. Going in, it was probably only going to be one winner in that. Even if you get a draw, you're never really happy if you draw at home. So uh, Matteo and Marcelo Polisi both played together in midfield against each other. And I had the chance to catch up with them at Starlight Stadium on Saturday. John on the pitch by the Polisi brothers. It was always going to be this day. One of them was going to come out more happy than the other one. Uh, Matteo, tough loss. Um, how, does, how does that look back on that one? It was a difficult one for you guys. Yeah, I mean, obviously at home playing in front of our fans, um, not the result we wanted against Halifax. And we haven't uh, won a game in a while. It's been a tough stretch. So, I mean, we just got to get back to work and we got to bounce back. What was it like playing against your brother? When was the last time you guys played together as opponents? Last time was uh, U18 Portland against uh, Whitecaps, so it's been it's been a while. Right. Yeah. What was it like? I, I saw out there at one point he did a little dummy and got past you. I thought that was something he's <laughs> going to remember for some no. time. <laughs> is, that, is that you remember that one? No, he doesn't no. remember that. You remember that one. I'll remember that one. Yeah, I'll remember, remember that one. one. What was this like for you guys? Obviously bouncing back, difficult game against Forge. Yeah. You needed this. Really, really tough game against Forge, but you know we bounced back. We worked hard. We put in the work uh, in training last week and. We came here and we knew what we had to do. Tough day to play with the heat and everything, with the travel, but we got the job done and we're happy with the three points. You know what, let's pick up on that because not many people talk about this and it's not an excuse, but now you've won, I can mention it. You guys were delayed, you had a plane cancellation, you were delayed five hours in Calgary, you came into a hotel at two o'clock in the morning and less than 36 hours later, you come out and put a club record win on like that. What does that say about the character of this team? Yeah, we have great character. We got big, big, big players with great leaders. We're with Rampy and Peter there, but it doesn't matter. You can't make those excuses. You, you have to come out. This is our job. And our job is to win games, and we need to start doing that more consistently. What was it like after the Forge game? What was the, I know what that's like. I know how much you want to win. What was the burning desire to get out here and play? What was that like? Devastating. It was devastating. But the next day, uh, we trained, and everyone came in firing. Firing. The session was intense. It was good. And there was a buzz about the change. Even though we lost, there was still a buzz there. And we knew we had to do something and, and make a statement game like we did today. Last one for you. It was a statement. I mean, you can win football games all the time and not always play well. Mm -hmm. But this was almost a perfect performance, no? You played so well out there. Yeah, that yeah. Well. I mean, it's a club record win there. Yeah. That's, yeah, that says it all. And yeah, at the end of the day, it's only three points, and we have to do this consistently week in, week out. What about this for your family? Tell us a little bit about your parents. What were they thinking today, and what was this all like to, to, to build up to play against your brother? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's pretty special. We uh, I don't get to play against my brother every week. I mean. Um, we played against each other last year, our teams, but we never were really on the pitch at the same time. Today we were both uh, 
able to start and play 90, we were right up against each other. So, I mean, it's special, special moment, really. I love it. And I th can't thank you both enough for joining us. This is a special Canadian Premier League moment for a fan like this. I guess the final one for us from you is what was the message from James Merriman there in the huddle? It's a difficult one. What was the message there to move on as the champs and move on to the next game? Yeah, coming to work tomorrow and uh, we need to we need to be better. We need to start games better. I mean, um, the goals that they we conceded were just too easy from from us all together collectively. We need to be together and, and we need to start getting wins and we're in a tough spell, but we need to dig ourselves out of it. No doubt you'll bounce back. And again, congratulations Thank on, you. on three points. Marcelo Matteo Polisi. Congratulations to these guys. They're both going to swap shirts now, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and swap shirts they did, and they got photographs of them as well. So congratulations nice. to the Polisi family. Really special Canadian soccer story. Um, let's bring in Mitchell Tierney, who was at York Lions Stadium on Sunday for us as uh, York United did not bounce back from a difficult week trip to Vancouver in the CanChamp semi-final loss and went uh, played at Valor and went behind pretty quickly and lost 3-1 in this one. Mitchell, let's roll the highlights and your overall sum summary of this one as Valor get their third win of the season. Yeah, I think it was a it was a massive game for both teams and neither coach hid that because, well, they both really needed a win. Um, and for Valor, I mean, that's a massive victory. Obviously, they hadn't won in five matches, so it's big to pick up a win, but as you'll see here, another factor, they've been very bad at, you know, conceding goals quickly after scoring themselves. And they did that again in this game, um, which I'm sure they won't be happy about overall. But the fact that they were able to then very quickly get back on the front foot again on the road and and score one themselves was was huge. And also this comes at the start of a stretch of uh, five matches um, where they're playing four of those in Ontario. And we've seen some very good sides, Pacific, Cavalry. Uh, both come into uh, the the Ontario road trips and and really struggle. So, you know, the fact that they're able to already get three points, already get three goals, was was huge for this club. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, Valor needed a bounce back game, right? Especially after they play that game against Cavalry, they get you know pretty much pretty much torn apart on set pieces a few times in that game. So for them to come in this time and you know not only be very dangerous from set pieces of their own but put together a result like that I think is a massive one because again they were maybe a little bit in danger of falling out of that that pack if they let a few more results kind of slip away so this is kind of a really important moment for them to just stay in the fight yeah and that was a big thing that, that Sorry, Phil DeSantos said after or before the match was you know at this point in the season when there's gaps you know a single point on the season isn't good enough anymore you need to fight for those three points and again there was a situation there where it looked like they might get a tie on the row but they're able to go out and, and and grab all three and it was it was a return to what Ballard do best in terms of their quick counterattacking the yeah. you know explosive combinations between their front four and for the first time, I think since the Ottawa away match, like this was ruthless Valor again. They kept creating chances. They kept going at York even after getting that two to one lead um, as things opened up. So I think it was again a big, big performance from them. What of York, Mitchell? I mean, we're going to get Martin Nash on in a second. We'll hear from him, but they're operating on fumes, are they not? No, I mean Absy's gone. Nico got hurt. Nico Jensen was apparently got hurt in the in the game. You've covered that in the analysis. No Gutierrez, no Petrasso, no, no Thompson, no Minatel, Wallace, Ricci, Wrights with the under-20s, two Saints suspended. That's 10 players right there. I mean, no team could mm -hmm. kind of go through that, let alone this team. Was it? Is that simple to just to say they're just, they're just operating that way? Or was there anything else you could pick out from the performance that lacked the quality that needed? 
Um, I think obviously that's a big part of it, and that leads into the the deficiencies that you saw later on in the game in terms of you know once Valor get that second goal and it really opens up um, a lot of the good things they were doing in terms of tracking back and and that sort of thing all of a sudden go out the window. I thought uh, in terms of you see that late goal from Brett Levi's, he was not pocketed the whole game, but he he had a, a difficult time getting forward just because Max Ferrari was doing such a good job on that far side of, of okay. leading him forward. And then late on, Ferrari kind of gasses out and all of a sudden Levi's able to get down that flank and you, you see that uh, you see that third goal happen. So I think that's a big part of it. And again, w- there's very few bench options for them. And one thing Nash spoke about is the fact that, sure, they have all these young guys that they've called up from League One Ontario, but you know he met most of those guys this morning and it's really hard to put yeah. them in when... Sure, they're fresh legs, but they have no idea of the club's tactical identity. They have no, you know, experience playing at this level. So, you know, they can throw in warm bodies, but they won't be much more than that at this point. So hopefully now they get some time leading into this Edmonton match to, you know, train, which is something they haven't done because they've uh, been traveling so much of late and, and maybe get some of these younger guys integrated. Yeah, you mentioned it. They're just warm bodies filling spots on the bench, aren't they, at that point, really? I mean, they flew home Friday, Thursday from 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 Vancouver. Only only had one kind of training day before they were able to get into that game. Um, let's go back to York Lions Stadium and hear the thoughts of Martin Nash. Yeah, I, do, I don't have the ability to right now. Uh, I just don't have enough players. So it's, uh, it is what it is. I have, I have uh, 11 fit field players. So it's hard to... Uh, Hard to do too much. We're I'm, guys will just have to keep playing over and over again. And um, you know, I had a player come in today off the bench that I met this morning. So you know, and I have a you know, it's uh, it's tough, right? Because you can't change a game, and it's hard to give guys a, a, a reprieve because you just don't have the bodies. So it's uh, you know, they, I, I'm happy with the like the the effort the guys put forward. Uh, but as I say, four games in 12 days with travel, it's, uh, you know, a bus trip and a, a, a trip out West Coast. I, I think it might have been one, one game too many, and I'm just fortunate, touch wood, that uh, everyone got through the game. So we got five days here, till our, four days till our next game. So we got to try and freshen them up somehow and get them ready for Friday. Important to know that some strength in depth is coming, right, Charlie? Ronan Kraft yeah. coming. Tas Modakutus, sorry, Tas Modakutus, I'll get it right in a second, <laughs> it's coming. Uh, that won't be the last time anyone messes that one up, or certainly not me again. Uh, no. But they still can't play in Edmonton. Like They go to Edmonton, Charlie, yeah. next. Um, and that is a game, I suppose, if you're York, as you used earlier, that's not almost as close to a must win for them to try and climb out of this mess at the moment. Yeah, yeah, but it's going to be a tough one because it's still, again, not a full week's turnaround, right? They play on right. the Sunday and they have to go to Edmonton on the Friday, which is tough. Like. I, I again we don't we don't like excuses but at the end of the day when you're Martin Nash and you're trailing in a game with say 15 minutes left and you look at your bench and you see that there's literally not a single let's if you want to say senior player available on it uh and the guys that are on the pitch are being asked to do probably more than they're really capable of with their fitness as well having played so many games it's going to be very very difficult for them in this Edmonton game uh, against an Edmonton team that is actually has been playing quite well in some of the last few games. You know, they, they beat Ottawa and they they obviously put in a good shift at the end, especially in the second half against Cavalry. Um, but ag- again, this York team is quite resilient and they have been all year. They'll be uh, wounded after that game. 
against Valor. You don't like to lose like that. So I think you'll hope that maybe there's a there's a little bit. Maybe you hope to get at Edmonton early, right. and then maybe get get yourselves in front early so that you don't have to be uh, just still mashing the gas pedal in the the 85th, 90th minute, and maybe you get some time. But again, as as you mentioned, Christian, this after this Edmonton game, it gets a little bit easier because it looks like Krat and and Tass will be available for that Friday game against Forge when the transfer window opens. Uh, and I think that'll be massive. You know, we've seen Ronan Krat in training and he looks really good. Uh, so that'll be exciting. Um, so again, there, there, there will be more positive things to come for this club. Yeah, certainly. Let's switch attention to Vala. Mitchell, uh, Andrew Jean-Baptiste, just the third game I think he's played under Phil De Santos. Obviously had a significant knee injury last year, didn't play at all. And then obviously his third appearance this season was immense. So what impressed you the most having him back in the lineup for Vala? Yeah, what a difference he makes for for that team. And I think one of the big things from him was just the intensity overall that he brought. I mean, he was pretty much all action. He played a big role in their their opening goal where Ferrari's breaking down the pitch. He makes a big tackle to to win the ball back and you know they're able to turn that into a goal. Um he defended very well as, as you would expect from, from him and the, the partnership between him and Rocco Romeo is, is excellent. I think that they really bring a nice balance to each other. So I was this close to making him my man of the match. I know Sean Ray, <laughs> Sean Ray kind of nicked it at the end with his, his goal, but um, he was excellent. And, and having him back just provides some stability in the back that I think Valor really need right now. No, yeah, that's definitely, he's been absolutely fantastic. Let's go back to York line stadium and get reaction. Here's Andrew Jean-Baptiste. I mean, we, we, we look to do this every game, you know, if uh, if you can get um, more fast, faster and more sequence of passes and movements uh, to, to move the, the lines of the opposing team, you know, it creates spaces and, you know, it creates opportunities, which, you know, you saw in the first half where it was some of our best ball movement led to some of our greatest chances and, um, you know, uh, we, we wish we had capitalized them earlier in the game because we could have probably put this away in the first half and then have to um, go into the second half with a different tactic. But, um, you know, um, that's one of the things uh, our team is quite good at with the, the quality of players that we have is, you know, uh, I'm not going to sit here and say we're like tiki-taka guys or anything, but this is what we look to do. We look to play because that's the quality of the players that we have. Just so great to have him back. So great to have him back playing yeah. consistently. We're all winners in this Canadian Premier League when we get to watch him play. Um, and Mitchell was a winner yesterday again. It's watching him live. Great job as always, Mitchell, on the piece. Uh, watch uh, Readers analysis again at campl.ca. And as usual, Mitchell, all, all over. Lots of features for us this week. Uh, chat next week. Thanks again, Mitchell. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah, great win by Vala. And we'll continue that discussion as we bring on their head coach now, uh, Phil DeSantos, live joining Christian and Charlie here on the newsroom. Uh, Phil, great to see you. I know you're just off the training pitch, so thanks for spending some time with us. I suppose my my pleasure, guys. Yeah, I suppose nice it's always you. easier on a Monday after a victory, no? Absolutely, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're just talking about Andrew there, so let's start there. Um, only I think you've done 21 CPL games now as a as a coach for this club, but he's only played in three of them. Um, how great is wow. it to have him back playing consistently uh, in back to back games for you? It's good. It's very good. We're happy to see that he. It was important for him to go go with the national team and show that he was fit and ready to go for, for a couple games and get game rhythm. It also gives us confidence in his ability to step in and, and be ready for ninety minutes. So, of course, you said it. He's an important piece of this team. And when we pencil 
our our squad at the beginning of the season it was always with AJB ready to go and fit to go so he's a part of our team I always say it's it's the sum of the parts but he's an important piece he brings leadership he brings quality not only on uh, in in the defensive side but he also has a, an ability to help the team in the build up phase and he's he's so composed on the ball so it's great to have him back and we're happy that we we could have him for a stretch now and hopefully you know the the problems and the physical problems are are behind now yeah hopefully cuz certainly is is one of the best defenders in the league and we love to watch good players play football in the CPL uh Absolutely. so maybe just zeroing in on on this game yesterday Obviously, as, as we've spoken about, uh, the first game of, of kind of a, a stretch where you have a lot of road games in Ontario and things like that. Um, this is a big moment for you guys, right? To, to stay in that fight. Obviously, there are other teams kind of putting some space between themselves at the top of the table. How big a moment was it for you guys to, to put those points in the bank, especially at the start of a difficult stretch? Very, very important. I, I think I'd mentioned it to, to Mitchell Lau how important it was to come now on the road and be able to get to get points and not only a draw because you know at this stage you need to, to connect wins and um i you know when you go you go three home games and you're you, there's nine points to be played and you just make one point you know you're gonna need to compensate somewhere and knowing you're coming to to york which is right now was was a bit of a wounded animal, uh, not only because of, of 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 their situation with the players that they have missing, but also the fact that they also need three points. And we knew it would be a very difficult game, uh, and we know how difficult it, it is to go to Hamilton and 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 get something there. So uh, we were aware of the challenge, but the team has responded. I I, I said this. Uh, we haven't. We haven't had back-to-back -back losses, so we were able to always bounce back after a bad result, either get a point and grind, even in difficult moments. So we were confident, but of course it feels good when you're able to to get that because it gives us the hope that now we could go in and grab something in Hamilton and and make it a very good road trip for us, um, leading leading to a, to a home game against Halifax. Yeah, um, yeah. go ahead. Uh, no, just uh, the, the good thing about the CPL is you're still playing direct competitors two to three times. So the destiny is still in your hands for now. You you have to see it like that. So, uh, yeah, we're we're it, it takes a bit of pressure off our shoulders for sure. That game on Wednesday night at Tim Hortons Field live on One Soccer at seven o'clock. You use the word connect there, Phil. I want to ask you about your team and connections from back to front. So when I watch your team and, and tell me if this is fair, Sometimes I think your back six, I'll, I'll call them a six, are one of the best back sixes in the league. And then sometimes I think your front four are so explosive and one of the best front fours in the league. And then when you're at the best, I think you connect the two together. Is that fair when we see them all playing as 11? Yeah, I look at our team and I, I there's not one game that I said, you know what, we, were, we, weren't, we weren't good uh, or we were out classed or outplayed yes of course as coaches were very demanding and we um, my son was telling me yesterday how come you're always upset that even when you're winning and I, I don't know he sees my face on tv and that that's probably <laughs> what he he thinks it, it's we're demanding and we always want more and I I feel there's games that we didn't play well but we weren't outclassed by the opposition what I tell our 
told our guys during this last 10 days, we have to eliminate mistakes, individual mistakes that have cost us a, a few points and, and more points that, than we would like to. And I think that when we're play, able to play a game where we limit um, mistakes in critical times of the game, we'll always have a chance to win. Uh, we all know the qualities that, that we have in the roster and we just need to be consistent and find that consistency because when we do that and the team plays together and the lines are connected and there's not a lot of space for the opposition, we know that we could be a good team and a dangerous team. The consistency one is interesting to me because you know we've seen this Valor team this year. On some days they go to Ottawa and they score six goals and on some days they host Ottawa and they don't score any goals. Yeah. Uh, Phil, just as, as a coach... What can you maybe do or, or or work on with these players to make sure that you're getting more of those games where you're at your top? Is it is it just maybe getting a, a taste of winning games and they know what works for them and they can kind of carry on that momentum? Yeah, it's hard to explain, right? It's uh, The Ottawa game has become a reference for many people uh, when they talk about our team. I think that when you look at the Ottawa game, there's a lot of things that went our way in that game. Um and it was a very difficult game for Ottawa individually. And um, so, yes, there's a lot of, of things we take from that game, but it's not it's not the norm. I don't think that uh, that we could look at it and say this is this is I, I think that there was it was a, a combination of factors for me as a coach. I look at at consistency and the way we we're going to play collectively and you know, uh, be cohesive defensively and be able to exploit the opposition when when we, we we are on the ball. We play teams that have been very different in the way they've they've approached their game against us. Um, I said this multiple times, we need to find ways to play against teams that are closed and don't open up much space. It seems like on the road, we get teams coming a little bit more at us and it allows us to play in the strength of of, of the front four that you mentioned. And um, there are people, the players that like to play in space and with open space. And when we're, we're at home and we have to take the initiative a bit more, we look at the game against Ottawa, who sat a bit more and um, allowed us to have the ball strategically. And same thing with, with uh, Edmonton. We just struggled a bit more and we need to find ways to be, to be better on the ball in those moments, to have better movement on and off the ball as well. And to capitalize with the on the half chances that we get, like yesterday, the first half, I feel we were we were again we were we were playing against a team who, because of of, of the fact they had played Wednesday, it felt like they weren't sustaining as much pressure. Uh, they were okay with letting us have the ball and and have our center backs have the ball. And I started to, for a while there, to to see the a replay of of, of some of the home games where. He, you have half chances. You're getting in good spots, but not being able to to create enough to get enough shots on goal. So, the best thing for that is to score and to to get the first goal. So the opposition now is forced to open up and allow us to play in our strengths. And we were able to do that yesterday. Um, and and that changes everything for us. So um, yeah, the the key here is to to be consistent in finding that goal and. And and not allow the opposition to play in their strengths when they they when they can and 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 that's 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 the way to go about it. 
our guest is Phil DeSantos, head coach of Bala. Phil, how much are you enjoying this? I know when we had you on your show last year and you said you were ready for that first gig and step, you know, stepping up to the next one. How much have you enjoyed the Canadian Premier League so far? Uh, a lot. I love it. Um, one, I think that it's it's there's so, so much so much opportunity here. There's so much so much um, chance to grow, and you know it's extremely competitive. Every game's a game. You you're going in, and you you never know. You uh, you you have a chance to beat everyone. Everyone has a chance to win, and I think that makes it exciting for the league. I think that you coach a mix of of players that are. Are uh, have a lot to learn. They're in, in their very first professional years, and and then you have you have some characters that have been in the game. So that that makes it challenging in a way that you can't deal with everyone the same the same way. You need to 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 challenge yourself on how to push the different buttons in the different players, and I think that makes it that makes it fun for a coach. Um, you you work in structures that are. Are challenging. You you know you don't have all all the perks and and bells and whistles of, of a lot of, of of the leagues. And I, I just take the reference of of major league where where sometimes you're just looking at the room and saying what what are all these people doing? Like there's work for everyone here. You know so much stuff. And now, well, well, your your brother has to coach. Your brother has to coach. You know some world class stars now, like Gareth Bale and uh, Kilini yeah. and these guys. <laughs> Absolutely, it's a good one, right? Uh, guys, I've known. I I think I've known that one for about ten days. So uh, nice. And, um, but I do a good job keeping it quiet. So uh, yeah, it just keeps things challenging. You know, you're just uh, you're just you're just stretch and challenge and i think that makes it fun for everyone Fantastic absolutely stuff. great stuff right. Phil. yeah um, yeah this has been brilliant man listen as uh <laughs> i think you've got a lunch to go to but is there like a big birthday cake down there for cy it's 21 today isn't he uh, you know what there's a rule you, there's a rule you need to bring something you need to bring a cake or something and um, I don't know. The, the, there's someone who had the idea of bringing bringing uh, donuts from uh, Tim Hortons. Okay. And now it looks like everyone uh, everyone does it. I have to have a talk with the guys because they need to up their standards, man. They need a. They <laughs> need, need better, better than that. <laughs> nothing yeah. against nothing against that. Nothing. I don't want to. You know, the brand is the brand. I love. I, I I love to stop by Tim Hortons once in a while. Uh, but uh, but you know it's a birthday cake, so we it's need a birthday to... cake. The only the fill birthday... of Tim Hortons you're getting this week is the stadium on Wednesday, mate. That's all you need Tim to be Hortons doing. Field. That's all I need. <laughs> That's, That's all I need. Listen, go go get one of your assistants or somebody to go get a birthday cake for the big man in net because he's been pretty good yeah. for you this year, right? He's been so, good. Yeah, he's been yeah. good. It's a great group, guys, that we have downstairs. So uh, yeah. awesome. It's no, better when when you win a game, you could breathe a bit more and enjoy enjoy each other's company a bit more. That's certainly the case. Yeah. We we certainly enjoy your company in the league. We, we, it's great to watch your team flying again and playing well. And we'll see you on Wednesday in Tim Hortons Field. Thanks again for this. Thank you very much, guys. Have a good one. Appreciate it. You, you too. too, Phil DeSantos. Who's obviously after the victory at York uh, in good spirits, Charlie. Good to see. Yeah, yeah, as he should be. It's a, a good weekend for them. Uh, and a, a weekend that could have been a difficult one for them. But, uh, you know, Phil DeSantos is always a pleasure to talk to, uh, especially after a win, though. Yeah, it's a great guy. All right, let's do a substitute board and take out Phil and bring in AGR. Uh, Alex, <laughs> great to see you. Good morning. Uh, you had another great banger of a game this weekend as we roll the highlights as Cavalry continued their winning run. 
uh, unbeaten now in eight, uh, seven wins out of that. And I think the first time in club history, they've actually got 22 points from a stretch that could be from 24. So Cavalry are in massive form and uh, they went out there and didn't play great. I think Tommy Wilden Jr. said that they basically were in third gear for most of the game, uh, but they were able to get the win uh, and get the victory over Edmonton again. Yeah, it was a you know another good Al Clasico matchup. I mean, it was going to be interesting to see how Edmonton faced this red hot Cavalry side. They're the team to beat right now in CPL action. It was a great first twenty five minutes. Both teams were trading blows. I mean, Gabby Batar hit the crossbar on a shot that had it just been an inch or two lower could have been another goal of the season candidate. Funnily enough, he connected on one of those later on in the game. Uh, but it was just great tempo from from Cavalry. The way they they attack and just come at you in waves. Uh, it's, you know, the Cavs of, of 2019, but it's almost like they found a new gear on top of that. They, they've got this, you know, way about playing in midfield, the, 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 the back four, you know, of course, Cavalry's known for their back three, but ever since they switched to, to a back four, they've that's given them an extra body elsewhere on the pitch. Uh, so it's just they're so fluid. They're, they're fun to watch. They, they get men forward uh, in, in an instant. So they're a tough team to beat right now. Unfortunately, Edmonton, they put up a, a good effort at the start. And then uh, once they got this goal back, uh, even late on, they, they made a push. But unfortunately, not many teams are going to Spruce Meadows uh, and winning these days. I mean, there's teams nice. far ahead of Edmonton in the, the, the standings who are struggling with that. So unfortunately, the, the streak lives to another day in terms of 14 games without a win in Al Clasico for, for Edmonton. But it uh, was a solid game otherwise. Yeah, yeah, it certainly was. Cavalry are just red hot right now. And this man who's scoring the penalty on screen right now, Arab and Peppel, uh, maybe the most red hot of all of them, right? Just, I think he's, he's, I think the second CPL player to do four goals in four games, you know, it's five in, uh, for him with that penalty, but it uh, hasn't been done since Tristan Borges did it in 2019 with also his first four professional goals, which is interesting. But, uh, you know, Alex, you've watched a few of these cavalry games. What stands out to you about this player in particular? thing is with Peppel, you have to remind yourself he's only 19 because, I mean, he's yeah. he's burst on in the scene for a few years now. He's very just physically imposing on the pitch. Of course, you notice that, but the you can tell immediately what Europe did to him. Those trials, I think, with mm-hmm. Sheffield, Leicester, and then that stint with Getafe. He's added polish. He's added shine, uh, you know, to his game. I was always surprised to... Of course, you expect them leading the line. They, they, they kind of thrust him into a, a lone frontman role, but he was dropping deep. There was one assist to Sergio Camargo that had Camargo scored. It would have been one of the nicer assists we'd seen, and it was from a, a yeah. striker, the way that Peppel just kind of looped it over the, the back line to, to, to Camargo, and he's dropping deep. He's taking touches. He's, you know, he's using his size in the sense that he's going to back down defenders, but I just love the way that he's interpreting the game right now and finding those soft pockets that you need to be a striker. I mean, just look at his first goal. I'm, I know, you know, Peppel's probably sitting there thinking like, man, that was an ugly goal. But I look at the run beforehand, how he kind of cut in and then cut out. It was like one of those Chicharito runs where you just find space for yourself. You get your shot off and then, OK, maybe it bounces off his knee. But the, the space he created uh, beforehand was the reason that he scored. So I'm just loving the little growths that he's showing in his game. Because for a 19-year-old striker, I mean, there's 24, 25-year-old strikers I watch that are physically there. They're fast. And they still don't read the, the the game 100%. And, of course, he's he's not there yet. But I just love the growth already for such a young striker, which shows that he has a very bright future. Yeah, that's a great point. A great point. I thought the same doing the game for one soccer. His movement is sensational. I love the yeah. Chicharito comp because that's exactly the kind of thing he would do. Uh, he is the man of the moment right now in the Canadian Premier League. Let's go back to Spruce Meadows and hear from his reaction after the game. Yeah, I think right now everyone's just pretty confident. 
obviously we know what we have within the group. Even we're missing some key players. We're missing uh, Meyer, Bevin, uh, Joe Mason, who are huge parts of our team. But we know that the next person is always going to step up. So that just keeps us confident. We trust in our coach. We trust in our abilities. And again, we just take it one game at a time. So now we're already forgetting about this, and we're moving on to Pacific. And hopefully we can keep it going. Pepo mentions two things there. First of all, he mentions the depth, which we're going to get into in a second with AGR. And he also mentions his coach, his reaction of the coach himself, Tommy Wilden Jr. Consistency. I think it's just one of those things that we enjoy these battles, the El Clasico, you know, the fact that the fans have put a trophy on it, I think is important. Um, yeah, no, we just, you know, I think we've just got the edge on them and kept going um, and it becomes psychological. So uh, oh, I'd love to keep that run going for as long as I'm at the helm. I don't think he's going anywhere pretty soon. Um, but the strength and depth is there, though, AGR. No, I mean, they took Adekubi out. Simmons came in, absolutely no problem. I mean, Adekubi made the goal, but did get pressed a couple of times in the game as well to lose possession. Um, as he mentioned, no Ed, no Mason, no, no Bevan. It doesn't matter kind of thing who's out in this team. They just continue to keep rolling and probably the strongest depth team in the, in the league at the moment. Yeah, I mean, they have depth, they have quality depth, they, they rotate their squad. I mean, you just see it at all positions. I mean, up front, the fact that if you're Tommy Wilden Jr., you're at training and you, you say, okay, strikers come here, and then uh, Peppel comes over, Joe Mason comes over, Meyer Bevan comes over, that's a pretty fearsome trio. I mean, I'd, I'd love yeah. to see them all find a way to get them on the field, but it, it might be a bit difficult. So he's got depth there. I mean, another guy I was just thrown off because it's like you, you, you almost forget some of the depth they have. It was 3-1, and then... You know, the, the camera cuts to Tommy Wilden Jr. just calling Ali Moosey over. You're like, oh, yeah, Ali Moosey was on fire just weeks ago, and he's still a great player. And you think about how they just sold Victor Latoury, uh, you know, obviously over to, to Scotland with Ross County. The, the depth they have despite all of those moves, just in all at all positions, you see in midfield, they can roll through the names uh, week in, week out with Elijah. Kugby, you know, you add in all those, those pieces, you look out wide. Uh, you know, even despite losing Fraser Aird, lots of talent in the, in the flanks. So of course, Escalante continues to be consistent. Ben Fisk, a guy we keep forgetting about, uh, who's just continues to, to, to look a big part of this cavalry team. You look at the back, how, you know, Karifa Yao is suspended. You know, you got the Trafford brothers can slot in. You got the Klomp brothers as well. I mean, the, the depth at all positions is just remarkable. And it feels like th there's no reason why they can't you know, keep this run at the top of the table. They don't have any Canadian championship distractions. You don't have any mid, you know, mid-season trips down uh, to Jamaica and CONCACAF League. Their sole focus is the league. They're deep. They're going to roll through the, the games. I mean, maybe this eight-game streak, it could be even longer than that. It's right based on their, their depth. Yeah. I don't think any team in the CPL has the kind of difference makers that can come into a game late that Cavalry does at the moment. Um, and it's, it's partly... I guess a, a factor of other teams just not having those guys healthy. But when you look at Cavalry and their ability to bring attacking players into games, you know, they're rarely chasing a game at that point in, in the late stages in the last 20, 30 minutes. But if they were, if they did find themselves in that position, I, uh, I would probably fancy them to be able to yeah. at least find a few chances, right? Um, they, they go to Pacific for their next game. That's a massive one. And I think Cavalry will... Maybe see that last time they played Pacific at home, that was kind of a statement from them with Pacific riding so high at that time. But maybe this one is as well for Cavalry to be like, nah, it's our turn. We're the top team in the league at the moment and and you guys can continue to slide. So that's probably one that they're uh, circling as well, right? Yeah, they're not going to want to lose that momentum, are they? There's, there's no, no doubt about that. Like they want to keep this going. And, and as you said, like that's 
that's a, that's a great team to just kind of keep them down. They're saying Pacific's hurt right now. We want to keep pushing them down. They don't want to get them anywhere near that. Uh, by the way, AGR will be on that game uh, as well, and we'll talk about that next week. Um, before we get um, uh, Benedict back in for Canadian um, Women's National Team chat, I do want to ask you about FC Edmonton. Uh, before we get your take on them, he gets go back to Spruce Meadows and hear from their head coach, Alan Koch. No, I don't think the atmosphere here is intimidating at all, to be honest. Uh, it's an awesome atmosphere, though. Uh, it's one of the best environments to come play in the league. Um, so kudos to Cavalry and, and obviously the Calgary soccer fans, uh, because it is a nice place to come play. But it's not intimidating uh, in any shape or form. It's not like we're playing in front of 70,000 fans, uh, obviously. Um, but Cavalry do a good job on and off the pitch. Uh, and I've said this to Tommy off the game. I congratulated him. I congratulate their club. Uh, there are big expectations here. Uh, I've been in places where I have big expectations and you're set up for success. It's not easy to achieve that success. Uh, and Cavalry are now on a fantastic roll. Um, so uh, obviously pleasing from them. Uh, we're on the opposite side. We're not set up for success. We're, we're, we're going into every game where we have to fight, we have to battle, and we have to get every little detail right uh, because we're very, very inexperienced. I, I've said this a lot. We have a lot of young first-year pros. They're, they're trying to learn how to play professional football. Uh, and in the game today, we'll go critically reflect, there were moments where our young players had difficult moments, uh, and that's why we lose the game. Uh, obviously, Cavalry came and executed their game plan, uh, but we didn't execute our game plan to perfection. Uh, and for us to give ourselves a chance to get a point or get three points, we have to do exactly what we need to do uh, to get something over the line. Interesting. Um, we talked to him actually after the game as well on one soccer AGR, and he seemed quite despondent after the game. But I thought they played well. Um, again, they went down 2-0 in the first half, much like the Kanchamp game where they played one in the second half as well. And I suppose from a coach, he would not want them to go down 2-0, and he wants his team to play better when they're drawing a game rather than, it's, I suppose, it's easier to play when you're losing, right? But overall, what impressed you about their attack? Because they, they, I mean, Batar as well, but they were... They, they created a number of chances in that second half where they could have got goals back and maybe had a penalty against them that probably wasn't one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they had, you know, flashes in the attack all game. I mean, those first 25 minutes as well, I was surprised because I'm used to, you know, seeing this Edmonton team, they're solid, but they played with this tempo in the first 25 minutes away from home that we're not used to, to seeing. They were pressing, they were causing errors from Cavalry. They were willing to take the ball and drive it forward. And we saw that also late on, the way they were just attacking the wide channels and, and crossing it in. I mean, CJ Smith probably has a, has a shot that he'd, he'd want back on maybe on another day. He puts that in the back of the net. There are a few others. I mean, I thought, if anything, for them, what hurt them was just the execution in, in those moments. I think of just when it was nil-nil, when it was one-nil, there were moments where, okay, you, 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 those are goals you should even, you know, even when it was 2-1 before the penalty, there's just moments where you want to to put some of those away to put the pressure on Cavalry. Uh, but ultimately, it was just that, I think that five-minute period where you went down 2-0 from there is just a mountain that against the Cavalry, you're never going to climb, especially in this form. Maybe against another team, you can get one back, get two back, make something of it. But Cavalry isn't going to give away a 2-0 lead at Spruce Meadows. And uh, for Edmonton, that hurts because they were playing so well. You allow in a goal off Peppel's knee off, a, you know, when it looks the whole play was that that soft foul. Maybe Luke Singh doesn't want to give on 
you know, on his day, looking back, that's kind of the, the inexperience factor showing for a young defender like him who's still getting rep, reps. You don't want to give up cheap free kicks against good teams. You look at the own goal as well, where they just kind of switched off. You mentioned on the, the broadcast cage, yeah, they switched off at a bad time. You can't be switching off uh, in, in those moments. And ultimately, I think that's probably what frustrates Alan, having talked to him a few times now after these games. It's just his team will play so well for 80 minutes, and then they'll just have these moments of, you know, just why did they do this or why did they do that? And yeah. against Ottawa, they finally put it all together and, and got that win. And then just to kind of revert to, to old habits probably frustrates him as, as a coach, knowing how he's uh, he's wired. So I do, I, I guess, understand that because he's a guy who, of course, he'll notice the five minutes over the 85. He knows his teams and he, he thinks his team can be a 90 minute team. He's seen his team be a 90 minute team. So it, it obviously has to frustrate him to see them make mistakes like that. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, well said and great piece written. Before I let you go, Alex, I want to ask you this. We're going to just move from Canada soccer chat. Uh, Canada under 20s is done. Uh, they got beat on, by uh, Guatemala on a penalty shootout. Heartbreak fashion, by the way. Those who didn't see it, conceded 119th minute equalizer after Cam Abibula put the team up with a penalty of his own in the 100th minute. It goes to penalties. And then, unfortunately, Quasi Parku's on the wrong end of a penalty shootout again. Oh, no. On the wrong end of another miss again. <laughs> Uh, I was kind of watching this while live, getting ready to go on one soccer. I know other, the other guys were there, but I know you're all over this as well. And in fact, I think you've watched about 25 games this week in soccer this week, AGR. So thanks for fitting it all in. Uh, but what did you think of Canada in this game and how disappointing is it to have it such a, a journey just end so prematurely? I think it was just kind of emblematic of the tournament that they had. I mean, there were flashes, there were moments. Uh, but at the end of the day, they just couldn't find a way to get going. They couldn't find a way to break down low blocks. They just couldn't find a way to take the talent they had and make make most use of it on the field. And I think that's going to be the most frustrating thing. I mean, I will still, you know, because obviously when you see a result like this, the 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 pitchforks come out, the the alarmist takes come out, and some of them are certainly deserved. I think we we as a country, we've seen all the success of the men's and the women's. And there's just the reality that at the youth level, we're not doing things good enough, especially on the men's side. We're getting left behind, and you know, key players are missing out on you know wonderful opportunities to go play at World Cups and play in Olympics like that. And it's it's a, a harsh reality that it needs to be better, but you know, things are getting better in the sense that that's a talented team that got sent down to, to, to Honduras. And I think that's what's most frustrating because in years past, they just weren't good teams. It was just kind of a, a, a bled. They'd play four games, they get knocked out in the group stages, you know, the, then they'd go home. Whereas this team, it had talent. You could see in flashes. I see Lowell Wright powering through the U.S. defense for a goal. I see, you know, some of these other players having such great moments in games, but ultimately the team just didn't come together and What's the reason for that? Is it, you know, do they need more camps together? Do they need more coaching? Do they need just more overall investment in the program? I think the answer lies somewhere in, in all of those three. But uh, ultimately, it was just a, a frustrating end to what could have been a good tournament. But I just think, uh, obviously, it shows that so much work, uh, more work needs to be done to get the most out of it. And growing signs are there. Again, the CPL, what they were able to do in terms of getting these players. I mean, it's not a coincidence. Guys like Lowell Wright, you know, Habibula. Kwasi Poku, all in games, they were able to have such good flashes. You can tell what being in a pro environment means to, to them. And in f three, four years, when the next cycle comes, it's going to be even better. But ultimately, they're just it shows where the, the cracks kind of are right now in the, the youth program. Yeah, very, very well covered, no doubt about it. Um, disappointing, but as you said, uh, hopefully some, some learning moments from this and uh, get our young players back in the Canadian Premier League and continue to shine. Um, AGR, continue to shine for us. Thanks, my man. Uh, enjoy the game on Thursday. We'll chat with you next week. Sounds good, guys. See ya.
appreciate you Thanks. as well. Alex, bring in uh, Benedict, who's been patiently waiting around since he's... Uh, he's back. He's back. He was, uh, you know, he was, a, he was a starter for us. And then we subbed him out. And then somehow we found a way to get him back on the pitch. We've got it. We've used uh, Force Majeure, I suppose, to get Benedict back. But Benedict, you were also <laughs> watching many games around the world this weekend, including you were at BMO Field for the Canadian women's national team game on Sunday against the Korea Republic. Uh, who drew nil nil in the end? Uh, you come, you know, you covered this and summarized it brilliantly on campio.ca for us. But in the end, watching it live, was it just one of those days that maybe Canada just couldn't score? Yeah, I think it was just a, a sort of classic Canadian women's national team performance, right? Like they're such a dominant team defensively, but they just can't find anything in attack. Uh, left frustrated by by an organized Korean team who, who you know, sometimes had as many as seven players behind the ball, and and mm. and Canada just weren't able to break that down and. And we're able to, you know, the, the front three of, of Leon, Becky, and, and Heidema, just, just they just weren't able to link it together sometimes, and and uh, couldn't find couldn't find that elusive goal. Canadian women's national team got frustrated and couldn't score. Seems like it's a common thing that we've been saying in, in some of the past friendlies that they've played, and and even I mean, realistically, even even at the Olympics, they didn't score a lot from open play. Um, Benedict, you obviously watch this team a lot. You've you've I think covered all of their games for us in the last few months. What do, what do you think? What do you think it, that is? Like, do, do you think that there's just something not quite there in the final third? Are they are these these you know maybe different combinations they're trying up front, maybe not clicking? What do you think's going on? I think there's still a little bit of a reliance on Christine Sinclair, um, and I think that that maybe shouldn't be an excuse anymore. I know I know no. she's obviously a fantastic player, and 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 she obviously is. You know, one of the best players ever on the women's game for, for a reason. But, um, you know, I think Canada maybe sometimes rely on her when she's on the pitch. They She's kind of the, the player who gets the ball every time. Uh, and and when she's not on the pitch, I don't know if if other players who step into that role, like in this game was Haidema, we've seen Chloe Lacasse play in that role as well. Um, I don't know if, if maybe they they are used to, you know, being, being that sort of focal point, I guess, of the attack. And, and uh, in this game was it was a lot of Janine Becky on on the right wing, and she she was playing in crosses, and a lot of the ball was going towards towards the side, but they just couldn't get it centrally, and, and they weren't able to get many shots on target in this game, except for I think three of the four shots on target were in the last thirty seconds of the game. I have some thoughts on it too. Before you before I give them, here are our thoughts back at BMO Field of Janine Becky. I just um, you know echo what Bev said. I think it's just a matter of us all coming together again. Uh, we have a short amount of time in these windows that we can prepare. Um, and, and Beth had to make selections, so there was, you know, minimal prep for this game. But I think considering we we executed a game plan that we wanted to, we got to press in different shape. Um, we experienced a lot of what we'll experience coming up against teams in CONCACAF. So, again, I would also say credit to Korea. They're a very organized defensive team. And a lot of things we can go towards. I think a lot of things we can look at and say that's an improvement from previous years. Um, and I think we have a lot of talent on the field, you know, from top to bottom. Even players that didn't get on the pitch are exciting players. So, um, like, I would also say I'm not concerned. I think um, we there's a lot of positives to take forward. It is international football, right? I mean, anytime an international football group comes together after they've not played for a while, we can't not just imagine anybody just going to be it's just going to start going and chemistry is going to flow. And when they come from the club games, it happens all over the all over the world, women's game and men's game, right? So one thing I would say is that I do think I'm pretty consistent in this, but what do they need to do in midfield to get a little bit more penetration? I mean, I like Julia Grosso because I think she's very, very forward thinking and direct. That's just an example. The team, you know, Bev Priestman certainly knows the team way better than I do, but Bennett, you know the team really well too. What do you think about trying to maybe bring in a little bit more 
thrust and whether that is personnel or some more some more tactics from midfield. Yeah, it's interesting. They they played this sort of four three three as Bev Friedman usually does. But they had the the two holding midfielders and Desiree Scott and Quinn with uh, Fleming just in front of them. And uh, I do wonder if maybe it's time they switch that up and, and maybe have you know just Quinn or just Scott with with like you said Fleming and, and Grosso or or someone else playing with you know two attacking players or, or two players who are more attack minded than and Quinn and Scott who who are a lot more you know stay at home midfielders. Obviously Quinn has, has that fantastic passing range, but um, they they are more of a defensive player and and you know Fleming can't do it all by herself. Uh, despite her best efforts, she she can't um, she can't she can't win every game on her own um, like she did in Tokyo. But um, there there are definitely a need I think for for more attack, attacking presence from from a deeper position like in midfield. And one and one of your players that you sorry one of your players you you definitely looked at also. It's not always about Canada, right? You see star players coming as well with Ji So Yun, obviously for South Korea, Korea Republic. Uh, here is their boss Colin Bell on the playmaker. Yeah, uh, when you have a, it's a little bit like um, Christine Sinclair when she's playing, and and I mean this obviously in a positive way, that uh, Sinclair can basically do what she wants to do. And she's earned that right because she's an excellent player, world-class player. And the same thing is for us for G. G is an excellent player, so we try to bring it, give her a role where she can decide basically herself. But she's always playing for the team, just like Christine plays for the team. Um, and everybody else can then adjust. And I think everybody saw today what an excellent uh, player she is. And when she's picking up the ball in those deep areas, we know that we're going to keep the ball more often than not, which is obviously very important. But we had some, and she had some really exciting moments going forward. So I think players of that standing, um, where the, the, I think that's when the coach has to adapt to the player. And uh, n But knowing that G, just like uh, Christine, have a fantastic sporting character, and they and we know that as a coach they're going to do everything for the team. So I, I think her role today was was excellent, and she performed very very well. Fascinating stuff. Great to see star players playing in Canada. Well, I want to wrap Benedict while keeping you here on what a great weekend it was. I mean, Pacific had an unbelievable crowd uh, on Saturday. Fantastic day on the island. I was fortunate to be there. And then, obviously, in the middle of the Pride Parade, the, we had 15-plus thousand people at, at BMO Field. I know you were there for that, Benny. What the atmosphere was like. And also, we should add, Pride Game in Calgary, where they broke a record attendance. Just magnificent crowd to see uh, Calgary extend their streak against FC Edmonton as well. Uh, but what was BMO like uh, on this day, Benedict? Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't the sellout or, or the, the biggest crowd, but, uh, you know, it was, it was a passionate crowd. You know, the, the fans who were there were, were loud, especially... Uh, uh, of course, whenever something exciting happens, it obviously brings the best out of a crowd. And, and there's a couple of moments in the game where, you know, uh, someone like uh, Jean Becky, for example, there's one moment where she passed the ball and caught up to herself and went around a player and, and that got the most out of the crowd. And, and uh, you know, I think players like seeing the heroes play in front of them, right? And, and that's what the national teams allows allows us to do and, and, and see people, uh, you know, playing in front of, in front of people who support Canadian soccer. And, and that's what it's all about. Fantastic stuff. And I think the Canadian Championship, talking about big games, the final has been announced as we're live on the air here. We should just touch on that briefly. Uh, July 26th, I think, at 10.30, uh, Vancouver Whitecaps against Toronto FC. And I believe offhand that's a doubleheader. I think that's the night Pacific are in Jamaica. 
Uh, so I think we'll be uh, getting a pretty special double header there. But I'm just thinking offhand, it might not. I might, might not be. be right. I think Pacific uh, might be on a Tuesday, but I'm uh, not okay. sure. I'll have to check Maybe. that. Well, it's a double header week, even if I'm wrong. It's a big week uh, anyway. It's a big week anyway. Yeah. So that's good. That's pretty cool to see. Uh, so that, that's just been announced as well by Canada Soccer. Um, let's look at the standings as we wrap up here for the Canadian Premier League after a big week. Obviously, again, Calvary continue to extend their lead. Pacific still in second, but look at the games in hand, the games play column in particular, Ottawa. Forge, even Halifax are uh, starting to believe that games per hand, get, uh, points per game, they are certainly at a better rate right now than Pacific. So keep an eye on that for them to continue to move up. And then let's look at the schedule. And it is an action-packed week, no doubt about it. It starts on Wednesday at Tim Hortons Field as Forge take on Valor, extended through to a doubleheader on Thursday um, in Halifax, which will be fantastic atmosphere. And again, at Pacific, two great games, by the way. Uh, and then a Canada game on Friday as well. So four this week, all building up towards the weekend again. Uh, briefly, before I let you go, guys, on Thursday, that doubleheader is pretty special. But also on Wednesday, Kyle Becker 100. Kyle Becker will become the first player in Canadian Premier League history to have 100 appearances for a CPL team. Uh, Charlie, that is pretty special and very fitting that it happens to be him. Yeah, it it isn't surprising that he's the first guy, but it, it feels right. Kyle Becker has played more games for forge than i think any other cpl team has played games period he's very rarely missed games i think all of the the matches he's missed has he's either been suspended or rested before the playoffs or something like that um with very very few injuries or, or days off or anything like that so kyle becker is you know a, a foundational player in this league and especially for that club in hamilton so it feels right and it's going to be a, an important moment i think to just just recognize him a little bit and give him that credit for being such an important figure in the first four years of this league as he certainly has been. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, the first Canadian Premier League centurion uh, of many to come, no doubt about yeah. it. Uh, my thanks to Charlie. Thanks to Benedict. Thanks for Nick behind the scenes as usual, to AGR, Mitchell, and of course, Phil DeSantos for joining us. If you missed any of the show, you can go back and watch it here on YouTube or listen to it on the download and whatever your podcast preferences. But thank you for joining us and spending some time with us on the Monday. Um, enjoy the games this week. Doesn't get much better than this. A full slate of games. And if we don't chat before, have a wonderful Canada Day. We'll speak to you soon. There's been a feast or a famine since its inception, depending on the colour of your jersey. Cavalry Red has ruled the roost. Guitar turning, shooting, what a goal! Oh my word! Tapple strokes it in confidently. Fine penalty from the youngster. It's up pretty well for Daniel Stills, some work to do. Second touch through the legs of Irving, and it's a second for Halifax. In the box, comes across, Fiji, and he scores for Beller. Santos, stopped by Oxner. Great reaction from the Wanderers keeper.